Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Another uh, packed show tonight, Tom, on a Tuesday night here, July 28th, as we get ready for... um, Another exciting week here with the reopen of a couple of new sports leagues, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, basketball and hockey both start this weekend, and today players report to NFL training camps. Yeah, so all kinds of great news. Um, Tom, give us a little show rundown, what we're going to look at tonight. So after we do our recap of last weekend, we're going to talk about the, uh, Saint, uh, the World Golf Championship FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Say that three times fast. Then the SEC... Uh, champion, or we're going to uh, preview the SEC League. Then we're going to talk a little bit about hockey, their reopening. We're going to talk a little bit about UFC, then the NBA reopening, and then closing the show, our top 20 fantasy running backs for this year. Uh, we were both commenting earlier how difficult it is to make that list. So we'll be going over all that packed show. Yeah, so let's start with some results from last weekend, Tom. Yeah, so the 3M Open won by Michael Thompson. That's only his second win and first in seven years. So probably not a lot of people wagering on him to win. Uh, It is really nice. Uh, The one thing that stands out when someone like that wins is what it can do for them. You know, he is guaranteed to be on the PGA Tour for the next two years. He's making the the grade for a lot of tournaments that he probably won of before, including this week and next week. So uh, it really means a lot to those guys when they can pull out a win. Tony Finau with another great week. He just can't seem to get the deal closed here uh, right now. Yeah, nine tied with nine people for third place. You know, he had a shot in the, in the final round, but really just ho-hum when he really needed to step on it, losing by um, three strokes. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, also last weekend, it, it, I mean, it was a fun weekend, but nothing super exciting. Not a lot of the big names played. You'll see a little bit more this week. Um, in preparation for the PGA Championship next week. Yeah, uh, it should be. This is always a, a fun tournament. I know it's the only the second year they've done it at TPC Southwind, uh, but it's it's a really nice tournament they put on, and we'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, UFC had some interesting fights this weekend. A lot of big names on this card. Uh, I think the first thing we want to talk about is uh, Trinaldo versus versus my guy Jay Herbert. Uh, Herbert looked good, but then got stopped by Trinaldo in the third round, and there's a little bit of controversy over this, um, whether the fight was stopped uh, too late and what announcer's role is in an empty stadium. Yeah, whether or not they should be saying something like that, you know, and, and, you know, stop the fight, stop the fight, that's no good, you know, according to, you know, a a lot of the people there were not happy about that, so. Yeah, her, her being a veteran ref, and Kev just caught a winner in overtime as the Flyers score to beat the Penguins. That's so. what we like to see right there. So, a little uh, first exhibition hockey game here in the <laughs> bubble in Toronto, and uh, took a shot on the Flyers at I think minus 105. So, nice victory to get started. Now we got some baseball. We'll switch over to as we keep recording tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, I think uh, that fight was really entertaining and good. Herbert looked awesome. Definitely looked like he belonged, but. Trinaldo doing what Trinaldo does, being a tough out, coming up with a knockout. Um, also, Kamzat Chemaev, back-to-back wins on Fight Island. 
winning July 15th and July 25th. It's crazy. Yeah, it's such a quick turnaround. And then uh, coming out and, you know, another dominant performance for yeah. him. So in the two wins on Fight Island, he outstruck his opponents 192-2. to two. Unreal. Unbelievable. Uh, I saw Dana White say something about how they want to get him back to fighting in August. Like, he's he's like, I didn't take a single strike. I'm ready to go. So he might turn around and fight again in August, which would, again, be insane. So Yeah, great for him, though, like, you know, to, to make these quick turnarounds and dominant victories like this. He's making a name for himself, yeah. uh, particularly with that UFC leadership. He's going to get some opportunities here soon. Yeah. Then we had the Verdum-Gustafson uh, fight. Uh, Verdum actually submitting Gustafson in the first round. Um, you know, Gustafson looked good at heavyweight. Uh, I was a little, you know, we had talked about it a little bit. You never really know. But, you know, he looked immobile on his feet. He looked good. It didn't look like he put on bad weight. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, Verdum gets him in a situation where, you know, you knew that Gustafson was in trouble. He was just going to find a way to get that arm bar to stick. And eventually it happened. And, and there's nothing that he, that, you know, Gustafson couldn't do anything about it. I'm sure that it was demoralizing for Gustafson to put in all that work and then get caught in an arm bar like that. But, yeah. um, you know, Verdum's an old pro and he's slick. And he was going to make that work. So um, I think Gustafson would have had a chance if it stayed on its feet, but on, on their yeah. feet. But he was winning the striking, and I think that's one of the things when you talk about Verdum, he's very talented, and you know, getting someone to the ground, and the, that, that's his world. So um, Shogun Huha versus Little Nog, Huha uh, with another decision victory. It's his third against Little Nog. Uh, not much to say of this fight. They, they both were very cautious, um, you know, kind of laid back. They, they had their exchanges, but, you know, a, a total of 78 strikes for Hoo-Ha and 75 for Lil Nog. Not a lot of... And Lil Nog called it a career at the end of the fight. Yeah. Um, understandably so. so sure. Um, you know, kind of what we expected there. And then... Whitaker versus Till. Another... I mean, this one, Whitaker looked good. Yeah. Uh, he looked really good. Some of the... Some of the numbers would show that outstriking Darren Till 100 to 50. Um, so right there, you know, you're doubling up on how many strikes he's throwing. That's in five rounds. So Till's only averaging 10 strikes landed per round there. And then, of course, getting the, the two big takedowns at the end of those two rounds, really cementing that those rounds were his. Yeah, and, you know, when we uh, take a look now at our, our tracker from last weekend, it was a rough one. Um, we had three losses in the UFC. Um, and then we did have, uh, I had the one win with, uh, Robert Whitaker. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll take that. That's, uh, a, you know, $80 win, whatever, you know, I, I came out a little under Tom was minus 200. Um, and then, you know, none of our guys came out in the, in the PGA event. Um, but, uh, this week we'll have a chance to redeem ourselves with some, some action, uh, around the sports world. And in particular, we're, we're going to kick off NBA and NHL. There's going to be lots of opportunity there. Um, what do we got next, Tom? We're going to talk about the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational at TPC Southwind. So, uh, as Kevin was talking about, a very nice field. The top eight in the world are all there, and 27 of the top 30 are there. Uh, it's one of the few tournaments where there's no cuts. All 78 players will play the full weekend. Um, so, it'll be very interesting to see how that plays out with all the all the big guys there. No featured groups yet that, that won't come out till tomorrow. Yeah, which, you know, that's the, the one disadvantage of recording on Tuesday. But 
Um, let me take a quick look here and see what I can find for um, some. If we can get the yeah. So last year, props um, up in the first year holding the tournament at TPC Southwind, Brooks Kepka won, and runner-up was Webb Simpson. So the, the the thing with the two of them is they're both a little different. Webb Simpson is is really good with his irons, gets in close, makes a lot of short putts, and Kepka is a bit of a bomber, likes to throw her down there and and get on. So you have two different ways to do it, but the I think the one thing that's evident with this is you have two very good golfers that finish at the top. So yeah, um, John Rahm is the favorite in this event yes. according to BetUS.com. Um, he's at plus nine hundred. And then followed very closely by Justin Thomas at plus 1,000 and DeChambeau and McElroy at plus 1,100. Um, then you've got a little gap there between them and the next guys, um, which, you know, feature guys ranging from plus 1,600 to um, plus 2,400, include um, Cant- Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley, uh, Webb Simpson at plus 2,000, Daniel Berger at plus 2,600, Tyrrell Hatton plus 2400 morikawa and hovland and johnson dustin johnson all at plus 2400 so um you know a number of names there that you could really take take your pick of uh that would have an opportunity here do you have a gut feeling on this event tom so i think uh i was looking into this before daniel berger actually won twice at this course before it became this tournament um i forget what the name of it was but they had another tournament here and they would and berger won it twice so at the same course. So I definitely think he's a guy I'm going to make sure I'm putting in on, you know, some DraftKings lineups at plus 2,600 as well. It's not a bad idea to throw some money on him. But Webb Simpson's the guy I'm going to pick to win. He's been playing good golf. He took last week off, playing some really good golf. Obviously knows this course, finished second on it last year. And at plus 2,000, that's going to be my pick. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take a shot on Patrick Reed here. Yeah. I think it's time for, that he starts uh, ramping up his play a little bit. Um, I like his blend of, you know, hitting fairways and his competitive drive. He seems to pick it up in bigger events. Uh, so I'm going to take Patrick Reed at plus 3,000 to win this weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's interesting to me that Tony Finau is plus 3,000 after how good he's been playing. Uh, I think it's just people, he can't finish. He hasn't been finishing. Yeah. He's got one win on the PGA Tour, you know, yeah. and it's... He can't, he can't seem to finish, though. People kind of staying away from him. Yeah, and there, I mean, there are some other names on here that are pretty big names that are uh, at much bigger prices. Um, for example, Sergio Garcia is plus 5,500. He hasn't been playing that well. Um, Jordan Spieth is plus 4,000 for this event. Um, I'm going to try to find a price tag here for you that I like. And um, what about Henrik Stenson at plus 7,500? Um, he's, he's getting a little long in the tooth, uh, but when Stenson is dialed in, he is as tough as they get. Kucher is a... Uh plus 6,500 as well. I mean, yeah. some some veteran guys who you know when the courses are tough, they, they're able to put their game together. They're all around game too, and I think that's one of the things I'm looking for this week is all around golf. And how about my boy Kevin Kisner? Uh, he's been playing pretty good golf, plus 11,000 for this event. Max Homa, who uh, played really well this last week, is plus 11,000 as well. Definitely some guys to take some shots on if you're looking for that you know, small bet, big reward. This is definitely a good week. Te- plus ten thousand for Bubba Watson. That's plus twenty thousand for Cameron Smith. Um, again, that's a guy that I've mentioned a few times. He's a, he's a really good Australian player uh, that at some point is going to break out, and I'd like to have a piece of action on him at plus twenty thousand. All right, now we're going to talk 
some SEC football. All right. So my favorite conference, uh, I think as fun as anything to watch. Absolutely. When you, when you start watching SEC football, I mean, a lot of things can happen. Uh, that's for sure. And um, where are we kicking off this week? We're going to go with. Uh, are we going to go the with east. the east? Yep. And going Vanderbilt first. Correct, Vandy. All right. Vandy was three and nine last year, one and seven in conference. Uh, Derek Mason is back for his seventh season. Uh, wanted to point out Derek Mason's career SEC record: ten and thirty-eight. Yeah. Over those six years. So. He uh, Mason has made a bunch of changes um, as far as coordinators are concerned. They have uh, Todd Fitch taking over the offense and Ted Roof taking over the defense. Ted Roof is um, a well-known name out there. He's been around the block quite a bit, on, uh, you know, amongst SEC circles as well. So um, it's a guy you may you may be interested in, in paying attention to their defense, tightening up a bit more. Um, they have you know three quarterbacks who played a lot in 2019 um, that are gone. Okay, yeah. so now it sounds like Ken Seals. Uh, from Texas and Jeremy Musa uh, that'll be battling it out in fall camp. So um, I don't know a ton of either of these guys. I guess Seals is a dual threat guy and uh, may have the opportunity to kind of get a leg up on it because of his ability to run with the ball. And running with the ball, they lost Keyshawn Vaughn to the NFL. Yeah. He's been a very good running back for them. Uh, he's gone. Jerry Pickney, their tight end, has gone to the NFL as well. So they do have some big, you know, on a team that didn't play very well, they lost a couple key pieces um, on that offensive side. Might make that a little more tough. Uh, the defense, though, we're getting everybody back. We're just going to bring everybody yeah. back. Um, they were 101st in yards per game last year in uh, defense. So it's not like they're bringing back great starters, but with all that experience, you should expect that unit to take a step forward. And they're, uh, they're getting Malik Langham. Uh, Langham, Langham, I don't know, whatever. He was a, a big recruit in the 2018 class that signed with Florida. Um, he sat out last year for eligibility, um, and now he'll be eligible to play this season. Another talented kid to jump up front. So uh, watch for that defense to take a step forward and, and be really competitive this season. Yeah, the questions are going to be all on that offensive side for Vanderbilt. Their defense should be fine. Yeah. So whether or not they can actually make anything happen, I don't know. <laughs> right. On the offensive side, I don't know that they're going to get many more wins than they had last year. No, especially if they have to play an all-SEC schedule, yeah. as we've illustrated. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. South Carolina yeah. will must champ's fifth season. South Carolina was 4-8 and eight last year, only 3-5 and five in the SEC. Uh, so they're, they're bringing back their quarterback. Um, Ryan Holinsky, who, you know, as a young quarterback, had his ups and downs. Not easy to be a freshman in the SEC yeah. by any stretch. And this is a team that, if you look into last season, had injuries everywhere. Um, Holinsky was not the idea. He's what they ended up with with some injuries at quarterback. Um, they had a couple injuries to wide receivers throughout the year. Um, a couple old linemen went down. So this is a team that really just was, was beat up, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, you know, they get Mike Bobo back running the offense there. Um, he's known as a great offensive mind. Um, you know, things didn't work out in his opportunities as a head coach. Um, this should be an opportunity for him to revamp that offense. And uh, from what I understand, what I read, he has made uh, significant changes already. And they think that Holinsky could take some steps forward now yeah. if he can maintain his health. So I'm looking forward to seeing kind of what they can do. 
you know, he completed 58% of his passes last year, um, 2,300 yards and 11 touchdowns. But they do have a, a great running back in Marshawn Lloyd. Who, he was a big-time recruit, um, and he's the one that he's got to be the guy uh, running the ball because they're not deep at that position. And Shai Smith is back also on the offensive side of the ball, and he should be taking over as the top uh, pass catcher on the team with Brian Edwards' departure and um, you know a couple other guys that were big deals there. So it'll be uh, interesting work to see what happens there. I'm not super excited about this Gamecock squad this year. I think this this is really Muschamp's last hurrah there if he's going to be able to get something out of this group. And the schedule as is, and that's all we can talk to it as, as is, not favorable. You're going to Florida, you're going to LSU. Uh, doesn't sound like they'll have out of the conference game, but well, rivalry games are still kind of being talked about. If they have a, their rivalry game, that'll be at Clemson. Yeah. Three games you do not want to have on your schedule. Yeah. So it could be a rough one. Yeah, and I don't know if the ACC is going to make it happen or not. You right. know, it's that's all of the, the question marks um, that we're still facing now, unfortunately. Missouri. The Missouri Tigers. Yeah. Six and six last year, three and five in the SEC. Yep, so, you know, they things didn't go well for, for Barry Odom and his squad. They, got, they brought Kelly Bryant in. Everybody thought this was going to be the opportunity for them to take big steps forward. And, unfortunately, it didn't seem to happen. So um, they ended up hiring um, Eli Drinkwitz uh, as the, the new man there. So that'll be interesting to see what he can do. He took over that Appalachian State team and went 13-1 and last year in his one season. And then bounced. And then he was out. He took his opportunity to, to run, and he did. So... I think that um, it'll be interesting to see what they got. He's a Gus Malzahn guy, Drinkwitz is. He actually studied under him years yep. ago. So this is a guy that will probably be creative with the running game and, and the spread offense and seeing what he can create. They do have um, a good group of running backs. Uh, Roundtree will be back. You know, that that's a big deal. Yeah, and Tyler Brown, Beatty. Brand, uh, back up. Roundtree and Beatty combined for 1,286 rushing yards last year. Uh, they're a little bit of thunder and lightning combo. Roundtree's a little stout, and he likes to you know pound it up the middle, and then Beatty's that change of pace, re- some real quickness. So they do have some uh, really nice running back pieces. Uh, this offense is coming down to that quarterback. Yeah, and you know that seems to be kind of a question mark right now, right, Tom? Yeah, but they did bring in um, Sean Robinson from TCU. Uh, very limited playing time at TCU, so it'll be interesting to see how he adapts how well he can compete in the SEC instead of, you know, Big 12 where they don't play defense. So Yeah, and, you know, they, they lost guys that you probably haven't really heard a whole lot of, so they didn't lose a ton of great high-end NFL-style talent no, that moved on. They're returning seven defenders, too, to the defense. Uh, the defense was 14th in the nation in yards per game and 16th in points per game, so a very solid defensive showing for them last year, and they're bringing most of that back. Yeah, I expect a decent season out of Missouri in the first year under Drinkwitz. Uh, the problem is, if they're playing all SEC games, it's a tough it's tough, tough road to hoe. Yeah. They, they are bringing back Nick Bolton as well, who, the linebacker, 107 tackles, 8 tackles for loss, a sack, and 2 picks, and was pro football focus's highest graded power conference linebacker. So, again, a lot of talent on defense, offense, not really sure what to expect except for some good running games. Yeah. So, on we go. Kentucky. Kentucky. This is uh, Mike Stoops' squad that is returning a lot of starters this year. 
They have a they have a number of returning players. Yeah, they, a lot. And and including, you know, guys like Drake Jackson, who's expected to be a top end center in this draft. Um, they've got they lose Lynn Bowden to the NFL, who yeah. took the majority of the snaps. He was he run first quarterback kind of. He was a wide receiver. Yeah, he played wide receiver until he had to step in. Yeah, they had two two quarterbacks go down to injury. One in uh, spring ball, and then one at the beginning of the season. And now Terry Wilson's going to return. And more than likely take that job back. Yeah, Sawyer Smith is gonna be competing, but you've also got Joey Gatewood who transferred in. No official ruling that I've seen yet on his eligibility, but Joey Gatewood was a very highly uh, recommended prospect coming out. He was a top fifty recruit, and he's a power running back, a power quarterback that power runs the ball. So like six five, two fifty, big strong guy. And he could certainly give Terry Wilson a run for his money as the starting quarterback there. I think all of the other returning players are going to make a, a for a nice season in Kentucky. Everybody's expecting them to drop back because of the loss of Bowden, and I don't see it that way. Yeah, so one of the, a couple of things that stand out from Kentucky is the amount of starters. I mean, this was an 8-5 and five football team last year. They're returning 8 to offense, 7 to defense. So not a lot of moving parts here. The offensive line... Uh, they're only losing Logan Stenberg, who obviously was very good, but they have three seniors and one junior coming back. So very talented, very experienced offensive line uh, to give whoever ends up at quarterback some time. And uh, I mean, eight and five, really good season last season, kind of unexpected from Kentucky. And uh, Phil Steele actually, uh, in his book, was talking about how he expects Kentucky to take another step forward and maybe have a better record in the SEC this year. Yeah, which is nice for a, a traditional basketball school. Looks like they're on the rise here with the football program. Mike Stoops doing a nice job there. Yeah, Mar- Mark. Mark, Sto- Mark, Mark Stoops. Stoops, I'm sorry. Got the wrong brother. One yeah. of the 700. A brother with an M. What are you going to do, right? <laughs> uh, Tennessee, speaking of having a good season, finally. 8-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in conference. Jeremy Pruitt's going to be in his third season last year. These are the defending Gator Bowl champions. Nine starters back on offense. Yeah. Nine. Yeah, including uh, Garantano. Uh, he's a senior now. Um, question is, is somebody going to take that job away from him? Because he had shaky moments at points in the season last year where they were looking to put other guys in. Yeah. I'm not sure if they've got anybody that's going to you know, steal the job away, though. Yeah, last year he had some ups and downs, started the season slow. They kind of went away from him, then came back to him, and he finished the season strong as they made a little bit of a run there at the end. Yeah, and, and it was the defense turning the corner that seemed to make the big difference. Uh, they did not allow more than 22 points in any of the final six games after allowing 29 or more in five of the first seven games. So the defense really, really turned the corner later on in the season. So um, Nigel Warrior is a really good player at safety, and he's got a great name for football. Yeah, uh, Daryl Taylor is a great edge rusher that they've got. So oh, I'm sorry, Taylor Taylor graduated. The uh, Tennessee was their eight and five last year. Won their last six games of the season. Yeah. So they were two and five and spun it all around. Jeremy Pruitt's doing a nice job with that program, really kind of resurrecting them a little bit. Um, the loss of Jawan Jennings, uh, wide receiver, and Mar- Marquez Callaway. It, do they have the explosive players to jump in now? That's the other question. Yeah. The defense should be solid again. Uh, the defense has a bunch of starters coming back. Only three sophomores are scheduled to start, but two of those three started last year as freshmen on a defense that ranked 23rd in the nation. So 
pretty solid ball club coming back for them as well, which you expect in the SEC. Yeah. The Gators. Florida Gators. Florida Gators, 11-2 last year, 6-2 in conference for Dan Mullen, winning the Orange Bowl. And Dan Mullen's expecting more than that in his third season. Yeah, and they found Kyle Trask to be the, the guy. Yes. I mean, he... They may have a quarterback. He looks like the guy, and they run a very balanced style. They run the ball. They throw yeah. the ball. It's nothing, um, you know, completely flashy. It's not, you know, they're not one-sided. Uh, but it looks like they're gonna, they're gonna, st- you're gonna start seeing some real development in this program. It looks like under Dan Mullen, which you had to expect. I mean, he's done a great job everywhere he's been, and you know, being a Florida guy, it fit for him to go back there. Yeah, I mean, they have a lot of returning starters as well. Six on each side of the ball here. Uh, gonna have to replace some guys on offense though. They lost the Michael P. Ryan and Van Jefferson both to the NFL. The one thing we know about Florida is they're always going to have talented weapons. They recruit them like crazy. Uh, you know, in Florida, you can pretty much stop at any high school game and, and pick up somebody. So yeah, they're they're going to have them. What can they do with them? They have Trask back, who sixty-seven percent completion percentage last year is not bad. Yeah, no, he's he's going to be a, a solid starter for them. And you know, the question for me really is who are the weapons going to be that emerge? Yeah. But I feel confident they that they're going to they're they're going to emerge. <laughs> the one another thing I want to point out, their secondary. Uh, Mario Wilson, three interceptions. Kair Aleem, three interceptions. Sean Davis, three interceptions. Donovan Steimer, four interceptions. These guys are all back this year. I mean, that secondary could be deadly. Yeah, and Kyle Pitts is awesome. Yeah. He's an athletic yeah. tight end. Very good tight end. 6'6". Six, six. He's a major mismatch issue for people. All SEC last year. Yeah. Should be fun. Yeah. Now on to the Bulldogs. Georgia. 12-2 last year, 7-1 in conference play. Winners of the Sugar Bowl. Kirby Smart going to have to do a little bit of reloading on offense for his fifth season. Yeah, I mean, and he seems to have done that with the transfer of Jamie Newman to step in at quarterback from Wake Forest. Jamie Newman is a pretty good quarterback. Yeah. I think that he may be getting a little bit hyped up here as, you know, people are saying maybe he's a Heisman candidate yeah. and things like that. I didn't see Newman as on that level. But he's he's Jake Fromm. Yeah. He can be Jake Fromm. He can be better than Jake Fromm. Absolutely. Um, I think so. Yeah. So I think when you go and look at the Georgia team, it's just how many pieces they have to replace. Yes, you're losing Fromm. But you're also losing DeAndre Swift, which is such a huge part of their offense. 1,200 yards um, rushing and another 200 receiving. you got to replace just with one player in losing Andrew Thomas, who's been their left tackle for the last few years on yeah. that side of the ball. And, you know, Zamir White should step in for DeAndre Swift as the primary ball carrier, it seems. He's, he's pretty explosive. Um, you know, when it comes to the receiving core, uh, looks like they're they're going to return um, George Pickens, who's you, you know he was their their most productive weapon last year. So there's plenty of stuff there. Yeah. The cupboard's not bare, I no, guess is what I'm saying. Not. It's just how how much or how fast can they put it all together? As the schedule is right now, their first SEC game is at Alabama. Yeah. So I would imagine that we are planning on at least having the in conference game staying the same at Alabama. It's not an easy way to be breaking in nine, eight new players on offense. Yeah. 
And, you know, what's the offense going to look like with Jamie Newman as opposed to a traditional drop-back guy like Jake Fromm? Are they going to continue with that style? Or are they going to go to a little more RPO stuff and, you know, try and use his mobility a little bit more? Yeah. So there are, a lot, there are question marks for sure with this Georgia squad. That's why I think that they're vulnerable at the top of the East this year. Yes. And it's never easy to repeat in the East, specifically in the SEC. I think the West um, is almost impossible but the east is it's a little it's i mean it's hard you have you have florida right there and they're always going to be good and you always have south carolina's tennessee they're they're coming up and down yeah one of those squads seems to always jump up and have a good group on top of the top two programs in that east that are always going to be a challenge and now the west where it's murderers row for the top three but we'll start at the bottom yeah with the arkansas razorbacks Last year, two and ten in the uh, overall, and zero and eight in conference play. A little rough. Big changes in Arkansas, though. Sam Pittman comes up, comes in, and uh, takes over as the head coach there. He's known as a, a tough guy, uh, recruiter. Does a great job there. Comes in from Georgia as an offensive line coach. Yep. Um, he brings Kendall Bryles along to to run the offense. Who else did he bring along? And, uh, well, Felipe Franks Felipe to Franks, play quarterback. Yep. So um, they've got Felipe Franks at quarterback. Rakeem Boyd was one of the top tailbacks in the nation. Um, Kendall Bryles running that offense. Uh, big steps forward, I think, are, are very feasible for this Arkansas program this year. What say you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, th- when you look at their, their team, again, one of our big themes of this year has been how many starters are you bringing back? Eight starters on offense, you know, six on defense. They're really coming back. Uh, it is a tough schedule for them, but again, with with that much coming back, continuity wise, and adding probably a more talented quarterback than you've had there before, uh, I think it's fair to say that they should be able to get off the zero in the SEC this year. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely think so. I think they're going to give teams a much harder time than they have in years past. I think this is a team, this is a coach that I believe in it was a great hire for them, and I think that it's a, a group that will run through a wall for this guy. It may take him a couple years to get his style of guys in there, but I think that he's a natural leader, and people are going to follow him and play hard for him, and you're going to see some real, really nice success out of this Arkansas program this year. Maybe not in terms of the actual W's in the win column, but in being very competitive and scaring some teams that that aren't used to being scared by Arkansas. Next we have Ole Miss, 4-8 in the regular season, 2-6 in conference play. Yeah, what's the big change there, Tom? Lane Kiffin going to come in to be the head coach. The lane train. Um, obviously a very big hire. Kind of kind of flashy for Ole Miss. Yeah. Might be getting some of that Eli Manning funding money. To come help out, yeah. <laughs> some some new boosters ready to spread it around. Yeah, so, so they returned John Reese Plumley, yes. um, at quarterback, and he had 113 yards per game rushing as a quarterback last season. Yeah, 1,023 yards total. Pretty impressive. Pretty good. So I think that that'll be a nice fit for Lane Kiffin jumping in, and typically he doesn't have a lot of trouble with his teams being successful on the offensive side of the ball. So to have a talented kid like that. Now he completed around 53% of his passes. Um, but, you know, I think that he'll, I think that he will have an opportunity to improve upon that. And his dual threat ability is going to be a big deal there. Um, they've also got Jerry and Ely 
uh, in the backfield with him. So, and he's he's an explosive, you know, lightning in a bottle kind of guy. Yeah, I think one of the big problems is that when you're looking at, you know, who you're bringing in versus losses, they lost both their starting D tackles, which was a, a like a cog of that defense last year. So they got to replace both of them. Um, but again, a lot of a lot of talent on that offensive side. What can they do with it in Lane Kiffin's first year? You're never really sure. And you know, there's some clowny guy coming in as a recruit this season. I don't know. Yeah, you know, and and it hurts these programs that have new coaching staffs coming in, not getting the spring work that they typically oh, would. It's going to be really hard for them to get everything implemented the way that they want to. So I think that that's going to be a little challenge, but you might see these teams get better and better as the season progresses. So I'd look for that. I'd look for them to maybe have some some bad losses early in the season. It'd be, it's one of those things where it may be bet against them the first four games and then you know kind of sit around for a couple games and wait for yeah. your opportunity. So let's throw out the out-of-conference games. Their first three games in the SEC schedule, Auburn at home, at LSU, Alabama at home. Yeah, this yeah, they're they're going to have a hard time, and they're going to end up being hugely undervalued after those three losses. Yeah. Presumably, those three losses. Because then, then they you, get to go to Vanderbilt, who we already mentioned. You know, last year one and seven in the SEC. Right. So let's imagine Vanderbilt has a little early success for some reason. I think that that's an opportunity. It's a game that I already have a circle around in my mind. Mississippi and Vanderbilt, week four, whatever week it ends up being, you know, who knows. But if the schedule, if the conference schedule stays as is, and they just add other games into those other dates, you know, I, this is going to be an opportunity to steal some easy money with yeah. a team like Ole Miss. Yeah, absolutely, Mississippi State. Yeah, and another big change. Another big change. Another new coach, Mike Leach. Yeah. And what do we know about Mike Leach? The air raid offense. And he brings success to every program he goes to. He's, you know, he turned around Washington State when they were in dire straits. Uh, He's still the most successful guy from Texas Tech. Yeah. So this is a guy that has success everywhere he goes. He's quirky. He's weird. He says things he shouldn't say. And it doesn't matter to him. He wins football games. So we'll see what happens in the first year with Leach trying to implement this system in Mississippi State. Yeah, this the, the one thing I think they're going to run up against, well, I guess it's twofold. This is drastically different from what Mississippi State's been playing. And you don't have the spring. You're not going to have a full, full you know, fall practice schedule either. So how much of that can he accomplish in that short of time? It's another team who, especially on the offensive side, might come along a little bit later. Uh, this team last year had are bringing back five defensive starters, so they should be okay on that side, but the offense is going to look completely different. Well, and, and imagine they bring in K.J. Costello, a grad transfer from Stanford, yep. who two years ago had a great season in the Pac-12. He was the all-Pac-12 second team, uh, passed for 3,500 yards and 29 touchdowns, completing 65% of his passes in a pro-style offense. His numbers could be off the charts in an air raid offense. So I think that that's going to be a, a really nice fit there. And, you know, Garrett Schrader, unfortunately, I don't think he fits the mold of an air raid quarterback all that well. He's more no. of a dual threat type of guy. So I think that Costello is going to get that job. 
and I think he's going to be really fun to to watch run that offense and then you know you get back Kylan Hill for his senior year too and he's a monster yeah Kylan Hill last year 1,350 yards 10 touchdowns average 5.6 a carry pretty solid running back yeah, so I feel I feel really good about watching that offense and seeing what they can do. Uh, it's going to be really fun. I mean, the SEC has kind of – they haven't always gone the way of the wide open, you know, kind of style of football that teams have. You see a lot more power football in the SEC than you do in other conferences still. Yeah. But uh, it'll be interesting to see the adjustment of these defenses that may be built a little bit more to stop an Alabama and Auburn and LSU, uh, Georgia, that, that can run the ball and power it at you and seeing how they manage against these spread teams. Next is a very interesting team in Texas A&M. They were 8-5 last year, but only 4-4 four four in SEC play. This is Jimbo Fisher's third year there, and they are returning darn near everybody. Eight offensive starters coming back, nine defensive starters, on a team that, again, 8-5, and 4-4 four and four in SEC was a solid football team last season. Yeah, the, when you return that many starters to a Jimbo Fisher team, you have to expect a really competitive squad moving forward because he's going to continue to recruit more explosive talents behind them as well. So I'm, I'm anticipating a really nice season out of them this year. Um, Kellen Mond has another year of eligibility left here. And, he's going to use it. Yep, so, I mean, that's... And Isaiah Spiller... Um, will be in the backfield, C.J. Spiller's little brother, I believe, right? I think so. And um, he's kind of an explosive kid. 946 yards and 10 touchdowns last year. So, you know, lots of big play type of opportunities there with this program, and and I love Jimbo Fisher's coaching style. So I think that this is another team. This SEC West is brutal. Yeah. Texas A&M, a lot of people back on defense – they did lose Matabuke in the middle, who we both loved um, come draft time. But almost everybody else in the defense is back. Uh, they were third in the nation. Or, I take that back. They were not third in the nation. I'm reading the wrong one. Uh, they were 29th nationally in defense, total defense yards per game. So really, really solid defense, bringing everybody almost back. Nine defensive starters returning. Yeah, and, you know, this, this is a big year for Jimbo and whether or not he can compete for that SEC West. Yeah, the, the third um, season for coaching college is usually where you start to see these are mostly my guys now. You know, you, you've kind of done some of that turnover. You have your guys in, in that you've recruited and starting to make um, contributions. Yeah, where are we going next, Tom? Auburn. Yeah, there may or may not be an Auburn fan on this podcast. There is. Yeah. <laughs> Auburn Tigers last year. Nine and four, five and three, in the uh, SEC conference, bringing back Gus Melzahn for his eighth season. Yeah, so yeah, I'll, I'll just jump in here to start with. You you return Bo Nix and Seth Williams. Um, that's the the big combination there in yeah. down on the plains. So um, expect that they're going to kind of live and die by what Bo Nix can, how much he can step forward this season. Um, DJ Williams is going to come back as the starting tailback. He's a highly touted kid. He got some opportunities last year and he looked good. Um, he's powerful and he'll be like an every, every down kind of, every down kind of guy. They've also got a freshman in tank Bigsby, um, who was very highly recruited and looks to be very explosive. 
and Sean Shivers is still there. It's kind of a change of pace. He, he pace. He's like five six, um, explosive, speedy little guy. And you know they've got Anthony Schwartz still, who's an All American track athlete at wide receiver. So you know they've they've returned a ton on the offensive side of the ball. Can those guys step forward because they were not super productive on the offensive side last year? On defense, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, I was gonna let me take the defense here. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so the defense is to me where the bigger question marks are. Um, you're returning a few guys; uh, they're showing five here. But the guys you're losing were were your your you know the mainstays. You're losing. You lost Derek Brown. You lost Marlon Davidson. You lost Jeremiah Dinson, who led the team in tackles, and Daniel Thompson Thomas, who was second on the team in tackles. You lost Noah Igbogany. That's close. Igbogany. Yep. <laughs> um, so you lost a lot of very. Not only starters on your team, but the the main starters, the guys that were disruptive, the guys that cleaned up messes, and you know your best corner. So, how can they replace them? You know, Auburn's been known for their defense, and I don't think that'll change dramatically. But again, how does that come together? How does that fit? Yeah, you know they're gonna they're not as deep up front on the defensive line for sure. Um, they still do have some really good talent. Yeah. Uh, Big Cat Bryant is you know he led the team in hurries. That's his um, name. He, it's not a nickname. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tyrone Truesdell, he's uh, he's another kid that's ready to step up. Derek Hall and Coynes Miller Jr. Um, are going to help up front. The linebacking core is solid. Uh, K.J. Britt, um, he's going to be back. Uh, Owen Papo. Um, Owen Papo was a five-star recruit, had a great freshman season. He was a true freshman last year. And... Um, with all that experience he got last season, a ton on the field, you're, you're going to see that kid flying everywhere. Can we just talk about the fact that Auburn has a guy named Big Cat Bryant and a guy named Smoke Monday on their team? <laughs> yeah, yep, and, um, you know, they've got some great names there. But, um, you know, I, I'm excited about the Auburn team this year, and they've made a change at offensive coordinator. Chad Morris comes in uh, to run the show there on the offensive side of the ball. Can they help Bo Nix grow? Uh, I think he can. I, I'm excited about it. I can't wait to watch. All right. It's time to talk about Alabama. Alabama. 11-2 and two last year, 6-2 and two in conference play. Uh, Nick Saban, you may have heard of him. He's coming back for his 14th season. Bringing back a fair amount of starters to offense. Seven ones coming back. But the ones that are leaving, you may have heard of. Yeah. I think that becomes the big question mark for Alabama. Yeah. So, you know, you lose the guys like Jerry Judy, Tua Tungavailoa. Henry Ruggs. Uh, Henry Ruggs. There, there's a lot of loss there, but there's there's a lot of good players that are coming back on this team still. Um, Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell are both back. Uh, Mac Jones is more than likely going to continue as the as the quarterback, but I don't I don't know if I don't know if that will last. You know, they've got yeah. a couple other guys in there that. They could potentially compete for the job. Yeah, um, I mean, Devonta Smith, we had two wide receivers taken in the first round off Alabama, and Devonta Smith had more receiving yards than both of them. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who could be the number one wideout off the board next year. Yeah, and Jalen Waddell is just so explosive. Yeah. So, you know, they return. Six touchdowns and 33 catches. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they get guys back like um, Dylan Moses. You know, he had that knee injury last year. It was a big loss for them. Uh, let's see how he recovers from that. And, you know, there, there are still going to be a ton of great players on this team. But I don't think that they're quite what they've been in years past where you look at the loaded Alabama teams 
and go, oh my god, that's who we got to get by. Yeah, it's definitely gonna. Lots gonna come down to um, Mac Jones if he, if he is the starter. Um, how well he can play. You know, again, no no spring ball. He has been there though. That's one advantage he has over some of these guys we've talked about. He's been in the system. This isn't his first year there. So, how fast can he get himself up to speed, and how fast can he play on on Saturdays? Yeah, and Najee Harris, of course, is returning, and yeah, he'll be a big awesome. part of their offense. And he's a really good player. And, and comes Patrick Sertan is pretty awesome at corner. Yeah, no doubt. Big fan. So um, on LSU, LSU, right? Yeah, fifteen and zero, eight and zero. In conference, Ed Orgeron, the always quotable Ed Orgeron with his fifth year back. Yeah, dream season last year for sure. Um, and now Miles um, Brennan takes over for Joe Burrow yeah. at quarterback. And Good luck. Yeah, it's going to be hard to follow that. <laughs> yeah. uh, also, the loss of Joe Brady. You know that that guy ran that turned that offense into something yep. amazing in a matter of you know year and a half. I mean, you're, you're losing, again, this is another team that's losing everybody, right? You're losing Burrow, Edwards Hilaire, you're losing Justin Jefferson, Thaddeus Moss, all on the offensive side. That, that's a lot to replace. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, let, let's talk about the defense, too. Patrick Queen, Grant Delpit, Clavion Chason, Christian Fulton, gone, gone, gone. <laughs> yeah, it's... They have to reload at this point. Yeah. And to expect anything other than a bit of a down year, I, I think that we'd be fooling ourselves. Yeah. I mean, is eight and four a bad season for them this year after after that season last year? I don't think so. They had an unbelievable group of players all leave at one time after winning a national championship. And if that's what has to happen, <laughs> you know, so be it. Yeah, and this may be a team, like we talked about before, may still be overvalued based on last season at the beginning of the year may be able to uh, kind of fade them, depending on... I see him still in the top ten in some rankings, and that's such recency bias. It's, yeah. it's garbage. Yeah. Like, they're not a top ten team this year, guys. It does not... You, you don't know, put them there just because they won the championship last year. Not when you see the mass amount of people that left. And not when you see that many guys leave, it happens. But when you see that many guys leave that are going first, second, third rounds of the NFL draft, you have to realize the amount of talent that just got sucked out of there. Yeah. It's not easily replaced. Jamar Chase is my favorite player on this team. The kid's awesome. 20 touchdowns last year, 21 yards a catch. Um, I'm not sure he'll be able to repeat that with Miles Brennan. Yeah. But um, expect him to go off the board early in the NFL draft next year. A couple spring. really good wide receivers at LSU. All right. Tough times here. Who is – well, we got to do east and west. So, yeah. who are you picking out of the east, Kev? Florida. I think Kyle Trask – you know, in his second year with, uh, you know, the Dan Mullins team seeming to step forward. I really, I really like that Florida group this year. I think they're going to win the SEC East. Yeah, I have to go with Florida as well. Um, they're, they just have seem like they have everything clicking at the right time when everybody else that's really one of the top dogs is kind of reloading. Georgia, specifically in the East, is kind of reloading. That gives them that chance to just kind of pounce on it. Um, I'll go first in the West. I'm being boring and taking um, – I'm going to take Auburn. Yeah? yeah? So, the quarterback is what, what separates it for me. I'm not sold on Alabama replacing it, and I'm I'm fading LSU hard. I, eight and four, ugh, I'm not even sure they get there. I think that's just the amount they have to replace and the difficulty that they have to do it in. Their schedule is not easy. They have a lot of tough teams to try to build around. Um, so, I'm going to take Auburn. If, I feel like this happens. Auburn – Every couple of years, they have that year where their quarterback's ready to go, and they're good. 
Yeah. Nothing feel this is another one. I, I can I just pencil Auburn in for you or Yeah, you can. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I'm on Auburn as well. And the quarterback situation is exactly where my, my angle on it was. You've got Bo Nix back, uh, a full year of experience under his belt. You've got question marks at quarterback at LSU, you know, with the, they're they're completely yeah. rebuilding. You've got um, it comes down to Auburn Matt Alabama Jones. game. Yeah, it does. Hundred percent. The Iron yeah. Bowl is what's gonna decide that, that yeah. West. And well, you know, the only other team that I felt could potentially give a, a real run there was Texas A&M um, in the West because Texas A&M is uh, returning so much. But Auburn's already shown they can beat Texas A&M. Kellen Mond has lost to, to Bo Nix yeah. already. You know, that's that's something that I feel confident in moving forward here. Um, but I just want to tell you about my sleeper because it's not Texas A&M. I wanted to talk about another team that I think is going to have a great season, and that was Arkansas and Sam Pittman taking over. I don't expect them to compete for the conference, but this is a team that I would take the over on whatever their season win total is um, because they're going to surprise somewhere, and Vegas will set it very low considering they haven't won a game in the SEC West in a couple of calendar years. Yeah. Um, Kendall Bryles running the offense, Rakeem Boyd, Felipe Franks. That would be a good team no matter what uniform you put them on, mm-hmm. you put on them. So I'm going to go ahead and say that that team's going to st- take a big step forward this year. They're going to beat the teams like Missouri, um, you know, maybe South Carolina, you know, yeah. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Those are the teams that they can compete against at this point. Ole yeah. Miss, Mississippi State. My sleeper is Texas a and I think they have the amount of starters coming back and the quarterback coming back. So the same reason I like Auburn is why I like Texas A&M. And I, I feel like if they can beat Auburn in that head-to-head matchup, now it's can they beat Alabama. So, you know, take your shot at one of those two. I just I just like Auburn more. You know, they did beat Texas A&M last season. Uh, so, hope you know, you would think that they're a little bit ahead of them to start. Yeah, no question. And who, who do you have as your overall winner? So, my overall winner is going to be I, – I have to go homer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, Auburn's going to win the SEC. I'm taking Florida. Yeah. Yeah, I think Florida's just they're so talented and they got a quarterback and it's hard to imagine that secondary getting beat enough for them to not with a quarterback who's going to score consistent points. It's hard for me to imagine a second that secondary giving up enough points. Yeah. So I did have a sleeper in the East that I wanted to talk about as oh. well. Um, you know, I this is a team that I believe could actually, you know, potentially win win, win the conference. Um, no, 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 I, I, I'm going Kentucky. I think that they have an opportunity if everything falls in line and particularly with, uh, there was a recent vote of support from Auburn saying, come on, NCAA wave Joey Gatewood's, um, yeah. Transfer year, you know, let him, let him play. So, you know, if Gatewood gets the, gets the nod there, I think they could be a really difficult team to face. They played Florida to the wire last year. Um, and they play them tough historically. Uh, with Georgia, I think, regressing. And, you know, they only lost 21 nothing to a Georgia team that had all that talent last year. Yeah. This Kentucky team's returning everyone. Yeah. So, so. Everybody. Yeah. Give me Kentucky as a dark horse division winner in the SEC East. So, not only do I think that they can, that they can have a better season, I think they can win the SEC East if everything falls right. All right. And with that, we're going to take a quick break. Come back at you with some hockey, some UFC, and some NBA. All right, we'll be right back. We are back, and it's time to talk about the NHL's return, which uh, kicks off later this week. Yeah, it's going to be on Saturday, August 1st, 
we're going to start with uh, some round robin and some qualifying playoffs. So the round robin is going to exist of the top four teams in each conference that are going to play round robin for seeding. So in the east, you got the Bruins, Tampa Bay Lightning, Washington Capitals, and Philadelphia Flyers playing each other. And on the west side, you have St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars. Uh, so they're going to play each other for seeding one through four. And the other remaining teams that are going to be there, uh, the next eight in each conference, are going to end up playing a best of five qualifying round. The winners moving into uh, the playoffs. Yeah. So um, you got any inkling of, of what you might see here as edges for teams going into this? So I don't know about edges. I think that one of the things to keep in mind is the, the round-robin teams are going to play less than a qualifying round team who goes four or five games. There's only four teams you're going to play in the round-robin. You're only going to play each team once. So you're playing a total of three games. And, uh, I mean, that's the lowest you can do in a five-game series. I'm going to imagine most of these go at least four games, and a lot of them five. So you're going to see in that first, that first stage, you know, some advantage for some of these teams not having to have played as many games. Yeah, um, you know, in certain teams, th- this is going to be huge for them. The Dallas Stars, this came at just the right time for them. They had lost six straight games going in to the shutdown. I think that this is an opportunity for them to right the ship. You know, that they, they play great defensive hockey. They only gave up 177 goals on the season. Uh, that's the lowest in the Western Conference. So, um, you know, and it's second in the NHL. So I think that if they get things right, they're plus 1,400 to win the Stanley Cup, and I think they've got as good a chance as anyone to come out of what feels like a wide-open Western Conference this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I really like the Colorado Avalanche team. Um, They're one of the teams that have the advantage of just being the round robin. Uh, I think it's a solid young team kind of coming together at the right time. We'll be interested to see what they do, but you know the West, like you said, is kind of wide open. Yeah, and the Eastern Conference. You know, I'm a Boston Bruins fan, and you know they were playing pretty good hockey. They were seven and three in their last ten. Uh, the Lightning were kind of struggling. It looked like they were going to be able to run away with the Atlantic Division. Um, they've scored the most points in hockey to this point, and um, I'm hoping that they can pick up where they left off. But they've had a lot of adversity throughout this COVID shutdown as well with. Um, some positive tests or being exposed to people that were positive. Um, and now hopefully they can pick back up where they left off as a Bruins fan. But um, I have a hard time picking out of that Eastern Conference because of that. My bias is strong. Yeah. I think the Eastern is, you know, it's not as wide open as the West. But I still think you have a the top four or five teams you have to think have a chance at advancing. So you got your Lightning, you got your Bruins. I mean, I'd throw the Penguins in there. The Flyers, um, you know, these these teams are pretty good at the top of that. So it'll be interesting to see um, the Capitals almost left them out, defending champs. You know, you you have a lot of really good teams at the top, and then it thins out a little bit on the eastern side. Yeah, no question. After the, it feels like the top four or five, maybe even six teams are about as deep as it goes. Yeah. Um, Then then it kind of the the bottom of that conference just doesn't feel as strong so my price play is uh dallas to potentially win the cup at plus 1400 the bruins and lightning are co-favorite at plus 450 all right now we're gonna break it up with a little ufc talk uh and i do mean a little this card this weekend is you know uh, admittedly we've been spoiled the last couple of weeks for them but this card leaves a lot to be desired 
the main event is an interesting one. And Derek Brunson, a very solid fighter versus Edmund Shabazian. Shabazian. Yeah. Um, he is 11-0. His last three fights, he stopped them all in the first round. 38 seconds, a minute 12, 2 minutes and 27 seconds. Uh, so, very talented fighter. Out of his 11 wins, 10 of them were by either KO or sub. Only one decision victory. Yeah, and just uh, for reference, Edmund Shabazian is Ronda Rousey's fighter. Um, she's his manager. Um, she won't be cornering him or anything like that, but she's helping him on the business side of things, I imagine. And um, Shabazian was one of her training partners yeah. leading up to some of her big fights when she was very successful. Um, don't be surprised to see an Edmund Shabazian armbar victory uh, because she said that he is incredible at it. So, you know, he's got all those, those judo skills. He is... Uh, from what I understand, extraordinarily well-rounded. He can He's a monster on the ground, and he can strike with the best of them. So watch for Shabazzian to be an up-and-coming you know, beast over the next several years. He is a huge favorite in this fight, minus 330. Um, Derek Brunson, you know, a decent fighter, solid fighter. He's got some good wins in his career, but I don't think that he can run with Edmund Shabazzian's talent at this point. Yeah, and uh, for those of you who like trends, the last eight... UFC main events have gone to the favorite. Yeah. So eight in a row. That's a pretty pretty strong record or pretty long record for a sport that's known for upsets and never being able to quite predict what's going to happen. And I was excited to see that we are going to have a card on August eighth. Now. Yes. I uh, wasn't sure we were going to have have one, but um, you know, and that's Alexia Linick and Derek Lewis fighting in the main event there. So we'll talk about that one next week. Um, as far as picks on this card. Um, one that I see, I like Ed Herman at plus 155 to have a chance against Gerald Mearshart. Um, so I'm going to book that one as my uh, as my wager on the UFC card for this weekend. We'll we'll track that one. You got anything that you like, Tom? Ugh. Let's see. I mean, so when I was looking at it, nothing really stands out. There's a couple fights I want to see. I really am interested in the Vicente Luque Randy Brown fight. Um, I think both of them are pretty solid. It'll be an interesting fight to watch, but it's, I don't know what the line is on that. Yeah, uh, Luke is a minus 190 favorite. Yeah, let's see. That's a big favorite. Yeah. And then you've got a couple other ones that stand out. You know, Bobby Green against Lando Venata. Yeah. Um, you know, Venata's minus 145. I think he's got the edge in that fight. Bobby Green, you can get a plus 115, though, and he's certainly got a puncher's chance. Um, so... You know, I don't see a ton of betting opportunities on this card. No, it, it's tough, too. Like, a lot of these fighters are guys who are in similar career arcs, and that makes it a little more difficult to predict. That You know, you don't have common opponents yet. You don't have a long tr- history with some of these guys. You know, unlike the Ed Hermans and the Gerald Mercharts, which you were able to pick out, like, you have history with these guys. You know what to expect. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I'll still get a lineup, a UFC lineup in for you this week. I don't yeah. know if Tom will be able to in the mountains or not. We'll see how your Wi-Fi is up there. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll get a lineup out for us still on Saturday for you guys to follow along or challenge me if you want to. So, um, onward, Tom. Are we going to go NBA now? Yes, we're going to go NBA, who is also starting this weekend. So, NBA is a little different than hockey because they're doing, they're finishing out the regular season. Um I'm using finger quotes that you can't see. They're not going to play 
complete 82 games, but they're gonna they're gonna play between 72 and 73 games most of them by the end of it. Um, they're gonna do play regular playoff seating at that point, except for one exception. If the ninth place team is four games or fewer um, from the eighth place team, they will play in a best of two to move on. It's a two-game series. The ninth place team would have to win both games to move on. The eighth place team just has to tread water and win one of the two. Yeah. Uh, interesting format for sure. Uh, the NBA is super top-heavy. Uh, you got the betting favorites at the Los Angeles Lakers at plus 200, Milwaukee Bucks at plus 225, and L.A. Clippers at plus 325. For my money, I would much rather have some action on one of the underdogs from the East and take my chances in a, in a series. Um, for example, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Toronto Raptors. 76ers plus 1,800 to win the championship. Raptors plus 1,400. Boston Celtics plus 1,500. The Bucks haven't proven yet that they're able to sustain their success in the playoffs. Yeah. So to me, I, I like taking a shot with one of those three teams. Yeah, I mean, and it may even be to win the East. Like the Philadelphia seventy yeah. sixers are only plus are plus seven hundred to win the Eastern Conference, a very competitive team when they play Milwaukee as well. So, you know, give give me them in a series and let's see how that that falls. Maybe not to beat the big teams in the West, the big powers. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, that would be a good bet for me. I, I I like the Clippers. I think the Clippers are a very good basketball team. You know, as long I think they'll lock down on defense better than anybody else. Yeah. And you give me the, give me those guys to win it all. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are well, two of the top three or four all-around basketball players. I mean, when you combine their scoring, their defense, everything together, they're nasty. And to get them on the same team is crazy. I'm with you. I, I like the Clippers to win the championship if I just have to choose a championship winner. Yeah. So it's going to be the Clippers for me, and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that it's going to be the Clippers over the Boston Celtics, who I think are going to put it together, gross, um, in and play in the in the NBA Finals. Um, you know some other teams that could surprise. I don't know. The West is you know it, it's just Clip, Lakers Clippers, and then it's the Houston Rockets behind it. Could the Rockets just go crazy offensively with all that talent that they have on the offense and and compete with those teams? I mean, it's possible, especially against the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers defensively are as good as the Clippers. Yeah. Well, it should be fun to watch. I mean, I, I enjoy playoff basketball, and it's right around the corner now. So, um, yeah, that's all I got on the NBA side of things. What's next time? Are we going to fantasy, fantasy running, running backs? backs? All right. Want to do like we did before, five at a time last week? Yeah. Um, and starting at number 12, I'll, I'll jump right in. Um, at number 20, I have Kenyon Drake. Um, this is based on a PPR, full PPR league, by yeah. the way. That's how I did my selections. Uh, full PPR league. So, Kenyon Drake at number 20. Uh, David Montgomery at number 19. I think he's he's poised to step forward and get more carries there in Chicago. At number 18, Chris Carson, assuming he can stay healthy in Seattle. Um, I think he runs the ball really well. At number 17, I have Raheem Mostert. Uh, I expect him to get the lion's share of the carries there with Tevin Coleman in, in San Francisco, and uh, he had some explosive games late in the season. So, um, And I like the way they run the ball. And it seems like they've buttoned up his contract yep. problems. Yeah. And at 16, I have Devin Singletary, um, who I expect to continue to take steps forward uh, for Buffalo and 
Um, I think that that team will, with all that continuity that they have on that offensive side of the ball and the addition of Stephon Diggs, maybe the teams can't pack the box quite as much. Um, so I think Stingletary will have a nice season. Okay. My number 20 is David Johnson. I think David Johnson is going to a perfect kind of fit for himself in Houston. I mean, Houston has this – they're going to run the ball a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien, that's what he does. Um, David Johnson had a terrible time adjusting to the new scheme in Arizona. Now he comes to Houston, something a little more, and he still can catch the ball out of the backfield. I have David Montgomery at 19 as well. I, I think last year – once the Bears committed to giving him the ball, he was much better. He's kind of one of these backs who needs to get it a few times a game uh, before he really gets going. 18, I have Leonard Fournette. Fournette had a great year last year, but I do not expect all those passes to be caught again. 76 catches he had last season, which is a lot um, of pass catches from a running back. Uh, but Chris Thompson's there now. He's probably going to be their third down back, which will eliminate a lot of those. 17, I have James Conner. He's a guy who, if healthy and that offense is clicking, is a top five running back for fantasy. But there's too many question marks. Uh, Are they going to be explosive enough? Is Big Ben going to be healthy? Is James Conner going to be healthy? Uh, So I have him down at 17. At 16, another similar guy, Todd Gurley. I think he's, again, in another good spot for him. Going to Atlanta, a team that throws the ball a lot, that can you know really set him up to up his receptions again i mean when he was doing really well he was catching the ball ton only 31 catches last year uh moving to my 15 mark ingram i mean what can you say this guy was an animal last season a ton of touchdowns just a beast on the field and it's hard to imagine that really slowing down too much i know that they brought in some new guys but uh, he's still the workhorse uh chris carson i have a 14 it's the same thing if he stays healthy he's very good Last year he had 1,230 rushing yards and seven touchdowns um, with 37 catches, so a very solid fantasy season. I have Austin Eckler at 13. Uh, I, I think Melvin Gordon being gone, he's the guy, and I don't think there's really much more about that. I don't think there's anyone who's really going to steal carries from him and his ability to catch it out of the backfield, 92 catches for him last year. Kenyon Drake, I have him really high. I have him at 12, and I think his... This again, it's the fit. 817 yards last year. And he didn't really. He wasn't the starter to start the season in Arizona. Um, so to really be moved there, 50 catches last season out of that backfield. That second year of that offense, I think he is just poised to be really good. And number 11, I have Miles Sanders, uh, another one of these rookies who, given a full opportunity this season after kind of working his way in last year, should be able to take a take a step. Yeah. Um... For me, I have 15, David Johnson. I think that he is a solid fit there in Houston. I think he can have a bit of a resurrection this year. A um, lot of running backs have done it there. I think that's the other thing. Absolutely. Um, 14 for me is James Conner. I think that, again, that there were a lot of question marks there. The return of Big Ben should open up that box just a little bit for Conner. He needs to stay healthy, and um, I think if he totes the rock, you know, a a number of times, he'll he'll be a big part of that offense. Uh, 13, I have my lone rookie on the list, uh, DeAndre Swift. Um, I expect DeAndre Swift to, to get all of the receiving yards out of that backfield this year. Carrion Johnson will split some of the, 
the main load there carrying the ball. But I think DeAndre Swift's ability to catch the ball will be a big deal for him. So I actually have him at number 13. I think he can have a nice season. Uh, 12, I have Joe Mixon um, in Cincinnati with the return of or with the addition of Joe Burrow at quarterback. I expect Joe Mixon to continue to be successful and continue to be a big part of their offensive plans moving forward. 11, I have Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb is a, a great running back who has all kinds of power and potential. Uh, I don't know how much he'll be able to exploit it this year. We need to see some big steps forward with that Cleveland group this year. Um, but he had a really nice season last year, and I expect that there's no reason that shouldn't continue. Um, I'll keep going here down to number six. Number 10 for me is Austin Eckler. Uh, just like you talked about, he's the number one guy there in that town now. So I think that he'll he'll get plenty of opportunity. Number nine for me is Miles Sanders. Um, I have Sanders up the list because I expect him to catch a lot of passes, run the ball a lot, be the mainstay there in, in Philadelphia, and have a really good season. And he could be much higher on this list if, he, if everything goes the way that I expect it could for him this season. Number eight, I have Dalvin Cook. Uh, I expect Dalvin Cook to have uh, another good, solid season. Uh, healthy Dalvin Cook is going to make a, a, a continued difference there in that team. I like Kirk Cousins, a quarterback. I kind of like that Minnesota team and the way they chose to reload. Uh, so I like Dalvin Cook at eight. Seven for me is Aaron Jones. Uh, with a full season, Aaron Jones could be a top three running back in the NFL. Uh, the question is, are they just going to load up the box and tell Aaron Rodgers to beat them with Devontae Adams, and that's it, because that's all that they have in the receiving core. So, you know, I expect a really good season out of Aaron Jones. Um, that's why he lands at number seven for me. Number six, I have Josh Jacobs. Uh, he, had a, he had a great rookie campaign. I think he just continues to build on that and um, has a really nice uh, second year here with Oakland, Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, it's on me now. Uh, number 10. Nick Chubb. Um, so last year, almost 1,500 yards, 1,494. But I think this year with a Kareem Hunt going to be there the whole season, uh, I think you're going to see some carries go that way with a decrease in touches. You're going to see some. I mean, he's still going to be very good for fantasy. I have him at 10. Uh, Joe Mixon, I think the same thing as Kev. I mean, he had 1,100 yards for a terrible team last year, I expect, especially on offense. I expect more of the same from him. He's super talented. Um what do I got? Eight, eight. This is where I have Josh Jacobs. I'm a big fan of the player. Not such a huge fan of the opportunity in Las Vegas. I think that I, don't, I just I don't trust the quarterback that much. I love the new explosive weapons they have there, which again may take away from some of his uh, touches. So I think if, if everything goes well in Las Vegas, he'll see less touches inside the twenty. If everything goes poorly he's going to see less touches inside the 20 so i just i feel like it's going to come back a little bit but obviously still have him as number eight um elvin kamara i have at seven um i have him really low compared to probably most of you um not a big fan uh i i don't know if he's going to be able to keep the pace up you could see him wearing down last year he got hurt he missed some games he's not a very big running back and I think this is a team that's going to rely on throwing. He does not get a lot of touches inside the 20, does not get a lot of touches inside the 5. So he's very limited as far as his ceiling. So 7 for Kamara. 6, I have Derrick Henry. I mean, the guy was an absolute beast uh, at running back, but he doesn't really get many um, opportunities in the passing game. So he's a little lower than some of these other guys, including my number 5, Aaron Jones. 
I think Aaron Jones had a very solid season last year. And just like Kevin said, I think he's going to I think he's going to build on that. I think that this team sees that they can win with him. Um, they should be able to add to that. Four, I have Delvin Cook. Uh, big Delvin Cook fan. I think, again, healthy. He's one of the best running backs in football. He missed games last year and still was 1,100 yards rushing with 13 touchdowns um, and 500 yards receiving, so only 14 games played in. Saquon Barkley's my number three. Uh, I think he's great. I think his opportunity, not as good as the next two guys. Uh, that, that That's literally what it comes down to for me between him and especially number two with Zeke Elliott. I think Ezekiel Elliott is the best runner of the group, and he's on the best offense of the top three. And I think he he's able to get enough catches. He had 54 catches last year. He's going to be the my number two. And then Christian McCaffrey, who you know may not catch 116 balls again, but he should be you know 80s probably. Yeah. You know, it's a it's a tactic they use. You know, he had a thousand yards receiving, a 1300 yards rushing. He's got to be the number one uh, unless something drastic happens in Carolina. Yeah. So for me, at number five, I have Derrick Henry. Um, and it's just really a, an order change here for us and the way that top falls. And I have I have Kamara up here in my top five. So um, Derrick Henry will continue to have success there. I think that they'll be able to build with Tannehill in the, into the passing game a little bit more this year. Um, I don't think they'll have to rely as heavily on Derrick Henry, but I think that he'll still be a huge part of that offense there. Uh, number four, I have Zeke Elliott here at four. Um, I, I just sense that he could have some health issues or something along the way. Um, he's been such a workhorse for a number of years, and he doesn't seem to have quite the same explosion that he once had. Um, I actually have Alvin Kamara at three. I expect a kind of a bounce back year instead of a continued decline, as which is what you could see happen. I think that he bounces back, and they get him more involved. Uh, because they saw the success that they had with him when Ingram was there. I think that we can finally see that that return to that kind of performance from Kamara and being a big part in that passing game. I expect to see him more in the slot and uh, getting involved in that passing game even further. Uh, two is Saquon Barkley for me. I think that Barkley has all the opportunity in the world to continue to grow. I think that his uh, offensive line will continue to improve. And I think that the Giants as a whole will be a better football team and be able to utilize him later in the football games. Um, and number one is Christian McCaffrey for all the reasons mentioned. Um, he's just been so productive. It's so difficult to find anyone that you could place above him based on the performances that he's had the last couple of seasons. Um, I expect regression at some point um, because of the workload that he's had to carry. But at this point, I don't think that's going to happen quite yet. So that's it. Yeah. 20 running backs. Not easy. We are going to be having a live draft episode um, that will likely occur next week. Uh, no, the week after next. So we'll have fantasy quarterbacks next week. Yeah. And then the following week, we'll be setting a date. Um, and Tom and I, I believe we agreed we're going to partner up yep. and join a fantasy football league. And we're going to go through the draft live as it's happening with you guys. And we're going to talk about the players that we're selecting. And we'd actually love the input from people in our chats while it's happening. You know, while you're yeah. watching it live, give us comments. Who do you think we want? Who, who do we want to fall to us here? Yeah. Um, who are we going to take? So I think that we have to draft with people that we don't really know. Because we can't have them, you know, watching our live cast and going, oh, yeah, I'm going to swipe Aaron Jones out from under them before they get this pick. Yeah, so, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think as you can hear from our list, we have a few uh, 
you know, different opinions on certain players. So it should be interesting to talk that out when, when certain situations arises where we're talking about a guy we may not agree on um, their outlook. So that'll be a lot of fun. We're hoping the next show will have the the date and the league and all that stuff lined up. we got a couple leagues in mind, so we're just trying to hammer that out, seeing which one will be more receptive to us being on there and talking about it. Yeah. Um, but next week also, we got the PGA Championship. Kevin mentioned the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks. We're going to have updates from baseball, hockey, uh, and our preview of the AFC and NFC North. Yeah. Football preview. It's training camp time. Yeah, baby. We're get, we got through the college football previews. Uh, you heard that action from us. Now you're going to get NFL previews from us and predictions. So um, excited to go into that stuff with you again. At Hammered underscore sports on Twitter. Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook. HammeredSportsPod.com. Uh, check us out out there, guys. And um, we'll, we look forward to provi- providing you with another bevy of picks this weekend. I'm going to start tweeting out my, my live selections for you guys. So Absolutely. Um, excited to continue the, the process here. Until next time, see ya. See ya.